The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today for an update on tech stocks. I'll be speaking with Barron's Associate Editor, Eric Savitz, who covers tech investing from the West Coast. That puts him closer to China, or at least closer than I am, and that's where we'll start this morning. How are you, Eric? I'm great, Lauren. Thanks for uh, having me on today. Oh, a pleasure. So I want to begin with NVIDIA. The company said in a regulatory filing this week that the U.S. government is now imposing restrictions on the company's export of certain cutting-edge chips to China. The concern is that this advanced technology might be used by China's military. NVIDIA's shares have taken a big hit. They're down 10% today. And the curbs aren't very good news either for Chinese tech giants like Alibaba and Tencent. I'm curious, Eric, what is your take on this latest salvo in the tech cold war? Sure. So I'd say a few things. So for one thing, you know, although they talked about military applications, this is not about NVIDIA's processors being used in, you know, missiles or something. They're not used directly in military technology. Uh, But NVIDIA makes uh, these processors that, among other things, are used for artificial intelligence applications. Um, and those uh, that they have widespread applicability for all kinds of applications, including some military applications. Um, that's sort of the, the concern on Alibaba and Tencent. Alibaba and Tencent um, are the largest uh, cloud computing providers in China. Um, they're the you know, equivalent of uh, Amazon Web Services, uh, say, here. And, and that includes... Um, uh, you know, their customer base includes uh, the Chinese uh, military. I, I think the, the larger question here is uh, really what, what this might mean in, as, as you say, the Cold War in technology that's, um, that's building between the two companies. And, you know, this has been going on for quite some time now. You can go back to uh, the U.S. ban on uh, uh, the use of uh, Huawei's uh, networking equipment out of concern that they might be spying on us via, uh, you know, Chinese produced equipment in the U.S. telecommunications network. We we had um, we have a continuing debate about the role of TikTok, which of course is so wildly popular in the U.S. But is it's so popular that we even have a TikTok. And yes, Barron's even has a TikTok account now. Um, that is true. Um, and uh, not just, you know, we're, we're producing content for TikTok. Now, I, I, you know, the concern has been that uh, we're giving, uh, you know, via the, the Chinese uh, owner of the company, a company called ByteDance, that they, uh, there may be information being shifted from ByteDance to uh, the Chinese uh, government. And so there's ongoing debate about that. You might remember that President Trump tried to, actually ban them and or get the um, get them to sell their U.S. business to an American buyer that never actually played out. No, no. But this remains a, you know, kind of a hot topic of discussion. So there's this ongoing fight 
uh, a battle kind of tension uh, between the two sides. And it's compounded by uh, fears that uh, China uh, may at some point make a move to consolidate um, Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan, of course, is the world's largest producer of semiconductor uh, semiconductors by a wide margin. Taiwan Semiconductor is the largest single company that makes chips. Um, and we are um, hugely reliant on that. That's one of the reasons uh, for the recent uh, Chips Act, which is uh, trying to encourage more U.S. manufacturing of uh, chips um, at home uh, and to be less reliant on, on Taiwan. So there's a lot of elements to this story. The, uh, the, the you know, the, 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 the NVIDIA said in making their announcement that um, they have about $400 million of revenue for this year that would be at risk if they can't get licenses uh, to, to, um, to ship these chips uh, to China. Um, but the, the fear in the market would be that this broadens um, and that they retaliate and, um, and this becomes um, uh, a more serious battle that Chinese are uh, already kind of complaining about this, that they're asserting that we're monopolizing certain kinds of technology, in this particular case, uh, processors used for AI. So we'll see. It's, uh, it's not a good development for a technology market that is already uh, uh, feeling pretty edgy. And that's where I wanted to go next. This is un indisputably bad news for NVIDIA if it plays out as the market seems to think. But the rest of the tech sector has been really selling off in the past two weeks. And I'm curious to get your perspective on what's ailing tech. It's been rising interest rates up till now. Is that still the main problem? Do you see other things on the horizon? What's going on? Well, there's a, there's a few elements to this. Um, you know, certainly... Uh, uh, Jerome Powell's comments in Jackson Hole uh, last week um, have triggered a, a you know dramatic decline in stock prices with you know tech at the front of the line and um, as you say rising interest rates are one of the problems uh, you know we had a a, a uh, uh, comfy uh, two month twenty percent rally in tech stocks over the summer from like mid June to mid August. We all got lulled into thinking the selling was over. Well, I think there was a suspicion that uh, two, I think there were two things that were at work there. I think one is, you know, rates came back down. Uh, I think on the 10 year, we got down to maybe two and a half percent from three. There was the sense that maybe the Fed was almost done. So that was one element. And then the other is when we, you know, we, we went through the June quarter earnings period and um, the June quarter earnings were not very good, but like they weren't as bad as people had feared. I actually had written in, in, in Tech Trader in the magazine as saying that it was going to be a terrible quarter for earnings. It kind of was, but there was a sense that maybe it was a, uh, uh, people talk about a clearing event. Like we're going to clear the air, get it's it all out. Water. Yeah. And then we're going to, it should only get better from here. Um, but I don't, I think that what's happened is uh, so you know, there's a whole set of technology companies, mostly enterprise technology companies, that have quarters that end in July, not in June. And so we've just, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen results from a whole bunch of additional companies. And what we've been seeing from them is a little worrisome. Um, so there's really kind of a couple of elements to this. One part we sort of knew, which was like PC demand is bad. And, um, and, you know, we had a huge boom in PC, PCs during the pandemic, of course, right? Because who needed a new PC? Everyone. Everyone. 
Um, th there was a point, I remember a statistic I had read during the pandemic that the average number of PCs for household, per household in the US was around one. Well, if you have a household of three or four people and you can't leave the house, one wasn't going to cut it. So PC demand surged um, dramatically during the pandemic. But pandemic is over. All of us have new PCs. And so PC demand has kind of fallen off a cliff. It's going to be down about 10% or more on a unit basis this year. And so we got sort of rotten numbers from companies like HP and Dell over the last couple of weeks. Um, What's the prognosis from here? Well, I don't think it's too good for PCs in the near term. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you continue to have this, this digestion process, even if you bought your your pande uh, pandemic era PC at the beginning, it's still only a couple of years old. You don't need to replace it yet. So that's one problem. The expectation was that uh, the baton would kind of be handed off to the enterprise buyer, that as, as people return to the office, People had, you know, an installed base of like aging PCs and that like the, that the corporate PC market would save the day. Not so fast. Yeah. So here's the problem. Um, what we've been seeing in the last uh, few weeks is uh, a widespread uh, signals that enterprise spending is under pressure. And you've been seeing that from a whole range of companies. So a good example is actually Dell, uh, where, you know, we knew Dell, Dell has two main businesses, if you think about it. They, they sell PCs, uh, which we know, uh, both the consumers and, but mainly to enterprises. Eric, and, I can't hear you. Oh, okay. can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Sorry about okay. that. Sure what happened there. Um, yeah, so you, you, you have, um, they sell PCs, Dell sells PCs to consumers and to companies. But then they also sell other stuff, um, storage, servers, networking equipment to big businesses. Now, the expectation was that part of the business was going to be great, uh, you know, as, as people went back to the office. Not so great, as it turns out. And that and that's about that's a macro problem. Okay. So, um, so 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 what happened when they reported earnings, in fact, is they warned somewhat surprisingly, that they were seeing a sharp slowdown in enterprise uh, technology sales. And, and that surprised the market because they thought that, uh, that, that the enterprise spending was going to stay strong uh, this year um, as we came out of the pandemic. But uh, the, the, weak the, the weak macro economy has thrown a uh, monkey wrench into that. And now we're seeing the same kind of thing from a whole bunch of other companies. Um, right. There's a lot of problems, it seems, in the software sector as well. We've had demand slackening for Salesforce, which lowered its full year financial guidance. Splunk had a good quarter, but it seems growth is slowing there too. So how do you read all this forward guidance? It, it seems to me rather alarming for the economy. Yeah, it's, it's kind of alarming. <laughs> I would yeah, say yeah. <laughs> Salesforce, now Salesforce, of course, was kind of a, a bit of a canary in the coal mine in the sense that, you know, they are the largest company in the, uh, you know, in, in the software as a service space, uh, you know, the, all these cloud-based application companies. They're the largest one. They're the oldest one. They rarely miss. They, they usually produce very precise guidance and they cut their outlook for the full year which was kind of a shocker and basically they one of the things they said was that um decision making uh, by companies 
implementing new technology is slowing down. And so what you typically hear is that, um, you know, a, a, a purchase decision that might normally be made by some middle manager now needs like approval of the CFO or the board. And so things are slowing down. Now, the interesting question is, um, is also, so that's a problem. In some cases, the slowdown might just be we're cutting our budget, we're not going to spend as much. And what's what's happened over the last few days is that we've seen more of this, right? We've saw it from uh, like Okta, uh, which is a, a company that reported earnings last night. They do um, identity management, right? Help uh, to, to control who can access uh, computer systems, that sort of thing. Um, they had a really bad outlook. That stock is down like 30% today. Um, uh, C3 AI, uh, this is uh, uh, the uh, artificial Tom intelligence Siebel's company. company. Tom Siebel's company. Um, they, they, they announced, uh, they said, uh, you know, we're in a recession. Tom was very, I actually spoke with Tom earlier this morning and, um, he's pretty clear. We're in a recession that's getting harder to get stuff approved. They, their guidance, uh, was, was slashed. Um, they're actually changing their business model, uh, to try and adjust, uh, to the situation. Um, uh, Sienna, uh, which is a, you know, an optical networking hardware company, they reported earnings this morning. Their stock is down 10%. In their case, it's they're blaming uh, ongoing component shortages. Like you've got a whole bunch of stuff like this going on. But I think that the, 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 one of the things that's happening on a, on a broader level is a kind of a reset on expectations on enterprise spending. Um, you know, I think there's this sense that, you know, in a, in a downturn, uh, you know, it's like, it's not, it's what's the, it's the opposite of like raise all boats get raised. What's that saying about all like, boats start to sink? All boats are starting to sink and right. you can see that right now. And, um, you know, there are yeah, some, there are some exceptions. I will say there are some exceptions, I think. So for example, um, we had a really nice earnings this week from a company called CrowdStrike, which is a security software company. Um, Palo Alto Networks, which is also a, security software company had had pretty good earnings for their quarter that they just reported. So security software, that's kind of the last thing you want to cut, right? But what does this mean for Microsoft and what does it mean for Amazon Web Services and, the, you know, other giants in the industry? Sure. So that's a very good question. I think, um, so let's take Microsoft first. I mean, I, I think there, there's no question that, uh, you know, their business has diversified over time, um, but they are still you know, uh, still have a considerable part of their business that's tied to the PC. And if you look at their June quarter numbers um, and you look at their guidance for the September quarter, that's the weakest part of their business right now is the PC part of their business. Now, what has saved them um, uh, largely is the, the tremendous growth of their cloud business. And this is also true for Amazon and it's true for Alphabet, right? So those are the three largest players in the cloud, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure. And they all had really good quarters in June. And I would note, by the way, that one of the largest players that sort of sits on top of that, um, Snowflake, um, actually reported really good numbers uh, a week or so ago. And uh, that stock has actually been doing very well and like, so that though you, you tie those together and it's been generally the view and I've been sympathetic to this idea that like the demand for cloud computing is so high that 
um, they're all going to do fine. But I would also note that these companies have a very particular way of doing business. They have a um, consumption-based revenue model, which is sort of like it's computing as a utility, right? It's like you get charged for compute time like you would get charged for water or electricity, right? Okay. You contract, you have, uh, you have like, uh, you can dial it up or down as you need it. And you have to think that in a, in a recession, some of their com- companies, some of their, uh, uh, their customers are going to use a little less. Um, uh, well, that's what I was thinking. If companies are ordering less technology, they anticipate a slower business. That means less use of websites. Yeah. So, we, so that now I will, I will, I will emphasize that that has not shown up in the numbers so far. Um, but, but uh, actually, I mean, one thing that's kind of interesting, if you go back two quarters ago, um, Snowflake had a, had that happen and they they blamed a few there was like a handful of customers which some of the analysts kind of ferreted out was really mostly about uh cryptocurrency companies where they're you know which of course the crypto market has been, been in big trouble for for multiple months now and so some of those customers cut cut down a demand but if you think about the broader picture and you think about retailing and you think about particularly online retailing and Think about advertising supported companies where, you know, the ad market is really in, in a bad place right now. Um, and, and then you think about, um, uh, you know, a, a desire to reduce expenses on the part of like many companies as we head into a recession. Yeah, you have to wonder if this is going to be a problem as we go into the September quarter earnings. You know, I think um, there was a lot of, as I was saying before, there was a lot of hope that the June quarter had cleared the decks. And like we, you know, everybody cut their guns through the September quarter, um, but maybe they didn't cut it enough. And that's a that's a worrisome possibility as we head into. I think you know, new problems may appear on those decks. Yes. So, I, I I want to move on and talk about Apple, which we love to talk about on Barron's Live. I want to remind listeners that we will take questions at the end of the call, so please type them in, whatever's on your mind. Apple, Eric. Stock is down for a fifth straight day. It was trading early today at 156 and change. And you know the expression, as goes the general, so go the the rest of the market. And NASDAQ, you know, as we've talked about, has been on quite a slide. But Apple's about to launch its next iPhone, the iPhone 14, and a couple of ancillary products on September 7th. What will the iPhone 14 feature? And will this be a catalyst to get the stock up again? What are you hearing? So, so I take a couple of things. So, first of all, on the stock, I think it's worth noting that Apple's actually outperformed the the market. True enough. Certainly outperformed the Nasdaq quite uh, significantly. The stock's down about twelve percent for the year, which is not great, but it's maybe half the, the decline on the Nasdaq. I don't know. The exact, I can't remember the exact number. Maybe Nasdaq maybe down twenty five percent for the year, if you include today. So, Apple's actually held its own really well, and you know, the stock has been under pressure the last say four or five days, in part because of the, the Powell remarks and the general tone of the market sort of being soft. So um, I don't think that's that surprising. I mean, I would say in terms of iPhone 14, you know, I don't know that iPhone 14 is going to be, um, you know, like a revolutionary update from from iPhone 13, which is the current, uh, the current generation. Uh, there are a few things we're expecting. Um, 
People uh, generally believe they're going to be they're going to have a, a major upgrade to the cameras um, in the phones, which you know we're now more cameras than they are phones, basically. Well, how much better can those cameras get? They are fantastic. Find out on Wednesday, right? I, I mean, right. I I think uh, you know it, it's uh, they will figure out. You know, I don't I don't know the specifics of what they're adding. I think there'll be higher resolution. Um, there'll there'll be some other uh, tweaks to the camera. So. Um, so that is part of it. They're also making a slight design change where, uh, you know, if you look at your iPhone, assuming you have an iPhone, um, you know, at the top of the iPhone, there's this thing that people call the notch, which is like that little cutout at the top of the screen where the camera sits. So the notch is being replaced by a new design that they call um, hole and pill, which will be like a there'll be two little holes. One is a circle and one is like a little oval shape. Um, and those uh, those will contain the camera, front, the front facing camera and, um, and various kinds of sensors. It should give the phones a little different look and will give you like a microscopically increased amount of screen space. Uh, so the little bit of design change there, there's, uh, you know, Apple will, will uh, uh, likely introduce four versions of, uh, of uh, iPhone 14, there'll be uh, the, the 14, the 14 Pro, and then Max versions of both of them. <clears throat> they'll be at um, 6.1 and 6.7 inch screen sizes. The Pro versions, uh, I believe, will have a new, uh, or at least it's the, the thinking on the street, is the, the Pro versions will get a new, a new processor, so they'll be a little faster. You might get more battery life. We'll see. That's always sort of something people are looking for. Um, and then there's a few wild cards. Um, there's been some speculation for a couple of quarters now that Apple might do a deal with one of the satellite communications providers. Maybe. Oh, right. And the theory would be that uh, this would allow you to connect in situations where you're just off the grid and can't get any other kind of connection. Um, that's likely to be an expensive proposition, and I think would be something you'd only use in an emergency situation. Uh, but we'll see. That they've not talked about that yet. It was supposed to, there were a lot of rumors a, a year ago that it was going to be an iPhone 13. That hasn't happened. So, what does all this mean for the stock? Well, look. I mean, Apple. Um, Apple uh, is still hugely reliant on the iPhone. Um, it's it's more than half of their revenues. Um, it's it's the heart of the company, and it also, by the way, is the the core uh, basis for their wide ranging set of services that they offer. Whether it's everything from you know Apple Pay to music, and video, and everything else. So, um, you know, I, I think the 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 question is: is there one? Is there enough uh, improvement in iPhone fourteen over thirteen to spur recent buyers to upgrade? Um, how big is the installed base of people who with just older phones who are just ready for an upgrade? And what will be the impact of uh, the recession um, on um, willingness to to raise your increase your phone, uh, increase your phone to a better model? I, I think certainly you know phones are, are not a luxury good anymore, right? I mean, a smartphone is a is a necessary uh, device for almost everyone these days, but <clears throat> you might be able to keep your phone longer. So, um, you know, and these are not cheap, right? Uh, these phones are likely to be priced, you know, I don't know what the exact price, let's call it around a thousand dollars. 
they're not trivial purchases. One of the things that people will be watching carefully is exactly what they do on pricing. Um, so, you know, I think um, the, 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 you know, the jury is still a little bit out on what this is going to mean for the stock. I mean, I, I, you know, I would note, by the way, that um, people with a longer term point of view are still waiting for a few other things from Apple. Like we're, we're still waiting to see um, what are they doing with this supposed like uh, augmented reality glasses that they're supposed to be working on. People were, we once thought they were going to do that this year. Now it looks like maybe next year or the year after, but they have said nothing about it really. And then there's the wild card of like, what's Apple doing with cars, uh, which mm -hmm. is a set of rumors. So, and you know, uh, so, so Apple is always going to surprise. I mean, there will be some other things announced, uh, by the way. Um, uh, there'll be some new Apple watches and probably a few other. You think uh, this is a good entry point for the stock? Well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think it's, it's a tricky moment. I think it depends a little bit on what you think is going to happen with the economy. I mean, I, I think, you know, as, as brilliantly as Apple is, uh, is as a product developer, you know, they are hugely reliant on the consumer economy. This is largely a consumer technology company, not an enterprise technology company. Right. And so um, in an environment when the consumer is under pressure, you have to think it's going to hurt them some. I mean, I would note like they actually had pretty good numbers for the June quarter, they beat expectations, although I think in part that was because component availability was better than they thought. So they were able to ship more products than they thought. It's a little risky, I, I think, at this stage. I would at least wait to see what they announce on um, on the launch day and then uh, see how it's received. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, long term, Apple remains one of the you know most fantastic companies in the world. Um but, you know, they're not immune to recession. There's just, uh, I don't think anyone is. And they're, and, and I would also note, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, you're paying up uh, for them. They're trading about 25 times forward earnings, which is, you know, well above the S&P 500 or most other uh, uh, tech companies. And they're not. Fair running, enough. So I want we have a couple of listener questions, but before we go to them, I want to ask you a question. As we head into September and um, kind of the last four months of the year, people begin to right size their portfolios in, a, in an attempt to beat the market, whatever it may be doing. Um, businesses gear up again after the summer break. What are the big trends that you think people ought to be watching in tech as the rest of the year unfolds? Well, you know, I think this is a um, this is a market that's being driven by macro. So I think in, until we got some clarity on, um, you know, some more clarity on how long, how far the Fed is going to go um, raising rates, that's going to impact technology uh, stock prices um, almost more than anything else from here. You know, keep your eye on the 10-year. Um, so I think that's one element. I think another element is going to be uh, just how bad is this downturn going to get? Um, you know, as I say, it, there's, it's very difficult to hide from a, from a broad and deep recession. Um, and so that's, you know, where I, I think the challenge will be trying to find places, like, as I mentioned, cybersecurity, uh, where, you know, demand is going to be, um, is going to hold up. And then I think you have to think about looking, you know, across the chasm, uh, to where, what's going to, what the situation might be down the road. And, um, you know, I'm like, I've been 
uh, you know, we talked a lot about cloud computing. I'm, I'm a very big believer that the opportunity in cloud computing is vast and nearly endless. And I think that those companies are going to do extremely well over time. Another good example of that is uh, um, if you think about the semiconductor manufacturing business, right? So you've had this period where uh, chip, chip, uh, the chip industry has gone from uh, like shortages to glut in some cases and that you've seen chip companies reduce their plans for adding capacity in the short run. So that with Micron recently, for example, but in the long run, um, you know, this brings us back to China, like in the long run, the U S wants to add more capacity to, to be able to produce more chips uh, domestically. And in order to do that, you need uh, to invest a lot of capital in not just buildings, but equipment. So I think, you know, the semiconductor capital equipment companies are going to do very well over the next few years. Um, so, uh, you know, I, exactly what happens in the fall is a little hard to say, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of the short run is going to be about macro issues in the long run. Um, there's still some good trends to, uh, to take advantage and of. And as the market sells off, that surfaces opportunities. Uh, that is always the case. So, Hal asks a question. This is not the macro call. It is the tech call, but it's a good question. How do you explain the red hot job market and the tech slowdown you've described? And I might answer that the tech slowdown is a harbinger of a weaker job market, but I'm wondering what you think. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, it, like if you think about what's going on here, um, the, the, the job market being so hot is kind of part of the problem, right? I mean, it, it's... It's uh, wage inflation is is at the heart of um, uh, a part of the the issue that the Fed is trying to address, uh, right? I mean, wages are a huge uh, input cost, probably the largest uh, for most technology, most companies, not technology companies, but all companies. Um, and you know, you've got a you've got a shortage of of workers, um, and so in that in that situation, you you know, wages go up and that causes inflation, and so I, I think it's. Uh, it, it, you almost have to look at it the other way around from the way that the, the, the listener asked the question. It, it's the, the, the problem that technology companies face is, uh, is exactly that, is, is that uh, inflation continues to be a problem, including not enough, uh, not enough workers. So I think the Fed is going out of its way here to try and um, take some of the pressure off the job market uh, by raising rates and uh, slowing job growth. Okay, um, Carlos has asked about security services like Okta. What sort of economic, uh, what sort of impact an economic slowdown could have on them? You mentioned that Okta was off twenty percent already recently. But- yeah, so so I, I think there's a couple of interesting elements to this. Um, so yeah, Okta is actually down as we speak thirty four percent today. That's got to be a record of some sort. Um, yeah, so that they're not having a good day. And I, I think in Okta's case, um, you know, I wrote about this last night that uh, they they are seeing some very particular issues with the integration of a company they acquired where they're having some problems with their sales team. And uh, they're bl- now they also did say that they were seeing some slower, um, slow, as, as we we're talking about before, like slower uh contract closure with on new business now, I, I i mean okta um does have some of the characteristics of you know the uh of, of i mean this is based of a security software company they are you know basically controlling access to things um 
but uh, but they are clearly being impacted by the economy. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it's a space that continues to grow. I mean, if you look at their numbers, um, they're growing. They're still growing fast. I mean, they're they're still projecting thirty percent plus growth. Uh, it's just you know, all things are relative on Wall Street, and thirty percent growth is great unless people thought you were going to grow forty percent. So, um, you know, Okta's getting battered here. I think that they still have uh, their promising company long term. That whole uh, identity management space is only going to grow. I mean, you know, this is basically a core function for every computing system, right? Who is coming in and who are they and what do I allow them to do? And uh, that that includes both you know employees and customers. So this is uh, it's still an, uh, it's still an opportunity market, but um, you know they're not they're not immune. Um, uh, we've seen with that, I, that's just, I got this exhibit A. They're not immune to um, an economic slowdown. Well, a sell off of thirty five percent in one day suggests that somebody wasn't paying attention. Seriously. Yes. All right. Last question and. We'll keep the answer short because it's actually the topic of tomorrow's Barron's Live. But what are your thoughts on whether Meta is going to make it with the metaverse? Gabriel wants to know um, whether the market is believing in it or not. It looks like not at the moment. What do you think? Well, so I'd say two things about this. So um, one is I, I think that um, uh, the market's view of Meta as a stock is much more tied to their core business than it is to the future of the metaverse. So Meta's, Meta's biggest problems here are related to the advertising market. That right, not, not to the metaverse. Apple, competition from TikTok, trying to monetize reels. Like there's a whole bunch of advertising related problems. And by the way, it's gonna like in a recession, the first thing you cut is advertising dollars. So like the advertising market is, is in big trouble here in the short run and they also face you know new competition, not just in TikTok, but remember, Netflix is about to launch an advertising strategy. It's just like one more player in the market. So that's one thing. I think in terms of the future of the metaverse, you know, look, I'm I'm skeptical. I mean, I, I think um, I, you know, look, they've they've got a business currently, right? They're selling a couple billion dollars a year worth of uh, of Oculus headsets, but uh, but those are largely for gaming. Um, I think that. You know, Meta is making a bet. Mark Zuckerberg is making a bet that, like, we'll all want to spend time uh, doing this. That we, you know, one day we'll do Barons Live in the Metaverse, and we'll all be little legless avatars, and we could see all our. I don't know, Eric. After your discussion about a recession, a Metaverse might not be such a bad place to hang out for. Well, you know, there, there is, there is, um, there are believers, and it's not just them. I mean. Um, I happened to talk to someone from Microsoft earlier today, and they're still a believer that you know there are situations where having business meetings in the, you know, in the in the metaverse makes some sense. I'm skeptic, and I think we are very far away. I mean, Zuckerberg has said in the past that like they have a great strategy for 2030. Um, like, you do not be, need to be buying stocks today betting on what's going to happen in 2030. Hardly. So I would, I would, uh, I would not be, you know, I wrote a fairly bearish piece about Meta um, a, a couple of months ago um, in the magazine, and I would stick with that point of view. I'm still skeptical that this is really going to work in the long run. I think we'll pick up that conversation in 2028. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Okay. In the meantime, if you want to know more about the Metaverse, tomorrow's your day. 
excuse me, not tomorrow. Barron's Live is off tomorrow. We're off again on Monday as well in observance of Labor Day. But on Tuesday of the following week, John Sports and Jeremy C. Owens of MarketWatch will talk to Lopez Research founder Maribel Lopez about the looming battle between Apple and Facebook parent meta platforms for the next generation of virtual reality technology. Will the metaverse ever find broad acceptance? Tune in to hear what they think. That will be on September 6th, and we'll continue the metaverse discussion then. In the meantime, everyone, enjoy the long weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And Eric, thank you for joining me. Great conversation. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Okay. Stay well, everyone. Bye-bye. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.